praise you, Lord. Let's worship, Lord. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see it, He's still working. Even when I don't feel it, He's still working. Hallelujah. Jesus never stops. Hallelujah. He's reaching. He's calling right now. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus, praise you, Jesus. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. I want to give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Praise you, presence of the Lord in this place, amen, and I'm always grateful that the Lord would be with us, amen. There's no other place I would rather be than in the Lord's presence, you know. I don't know what heaven looks like. The Bible says, I has not seen nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us, amen. We have some ideas from the book of Revelation, but you know what? What I do know about heaven is that Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is, is heaven, amen, and that's where I want to be one day, amen. I don't care if there's streets of gold, I don't care if there's mansions, I don't care how beautiful the landscape is, if Jesus is there, that's where I want to be. And so when I come to God's house, I want to be with Jesus, amen. I want to feel His presence, I want to know that He's here, He's enjoying our worship and our praise to Him, amen. Because that's what we live for, we were created to worship God. We were created to worship God, praise the Lord. And so it is our privilege and our honor, our joy to be able to do that this morning. To be able to lift our hands in God's presence and to be able to talk to Him. Can we do that just one more time? Do you mind? Can we just lift our hands right now? Let's just talk to Jesus once more. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you today, Lord God. I worship you. Hallelujah. Lord, there's no one like you, Lord. What a privilege and an honor to know you, Jesus, today, Lord, to be in your presence, Lord. I magnify you, Lord. I magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bibles, why don't you grab them this morning? We're going to go to Psalm 42. It's good to see everyone that is here today, amen. It is good to be in God's house, and it's good to see our brothers and our sisters, amen. I look forward to Sunday. Sundays is my favorite day of the week because I get to see everybody, amen. Psalm 42, I'm going to read, I don't normally do long readings, but I want to read the whole psalm this morning because I think it really helps us get the sense of what the psalmist is talking about. Psalm 42, say amen when you're there. Psalm 42, verse 1 says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after you, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say to me where is your God 
when I remember these things. I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep, but the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song will be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. And I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is your God? And the last verse, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquietened within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I want to preach for a little while this morning on this thought. The God of the disquieted. The God of the disquieted. Praise you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. This psalm possibly was written during David's exile from Jerusalem when Absalom had rebelled against the king. And when you read through this psalm, Psalm 42, it's it's dealing with some really weighty subjects, subjects that often we would prefer to perhaps bury underneath and not bring out to the surface and not confront sometimes. But, you know, the Bible says as the deer pants, you know, the, the, the writer here, he's, he's dealing with exhaustion. There's sorrow is talked about. There's tears. He's feeling burdened. The psalmist is feeling so distressed. His tears were like his meat. He, he couldn't even eat. He was just so out of it. He's feeling abandoned by God. When it talks about the hill Mizar, it shows us that the psalmist is perhaps feeling the pain of separation from the house of God. He's on some lowly little hill somewhere but you know Jerusalem where the temple is is surrounded by majestic mountains and so he is feeling disquieted he's feeling distressed and in the middle of all of this distress and in the middle of all of this pain there's this refrain why are you cast down O my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. The psalmist recognized that just because things were going wrong and just because he couldn't calm the thoughts of his mind and just because his soul was disquieted did not change the fact that he could still hope in God and that he could still trust in God. I know that there are times in our life where we can feel like living for God can be a struggle. 
We go through seasons of life where we are beaten down, where things seem to go wrong, where things seem to be out of control. And when these things happen, it's not uncommon for our souls to become disquieted. To be disquieted is to have a growing worry and a growing unease that everything is not as it should be and we begin to search and we begin to question God and we begin to wonder why these things are happening and the problem with these seasons of life is that the devil is there as well and he is saying things like the psalmist's enemies were saying if there is a God why would he let you go through all of this if there really is a God if God really loves you why won't he help you and before you know it doubt can begin to settle into your mind and disquiet can begin to creep over your soul but I want you to know today that just because your soul is disquieted does not mean that God is not in charge he is still on his throne even if things look like they are bad Jesus is still the king of kings and he is still the Lord of lords he is still the master of the universe and he still holds the world in his hands amen but it takes faith sometimes and this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians when he says above all take the shield of faith my friend you might be battered and you might be bruised you might be bloodied and you might be beaten down you might not be able to see the direction that the Lord is leading but to lift up the shield of faith is to stand and proclaim he is still my king he is still my savior why is my soul cast down I'm going to hope in God I'm going to trust in God when we lift up that shield of faith we join with heroes like Job and we declare though he slay me yet will I trust him amen I want you to know today the devil is a liar and he is the father of it hallelujah Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And just because your soul is disquieted does not mean that God does not have a plan. I want to tell you a couple stories from God's Word this morning. Let's go to the first one in 2 Kings chapter 4. Look at this. We'll talk about souls being disquieted. Second Kings chapter four. This is the story of who we know as the Shunammite woman. She lived when Elisha was the prophet. And to give you a little bit of a backstory, Elisha the prophet would come through town on his way to minister, to preach, to do his prophet thing wherever he would travel. And he would always stay at this Shunammite woman's house, her and her husband's house. And, and the Bible tells us that this woman went out of her way. The Bible, in fact, calls her a great woman. She built a house for the prophet to stay in every time she came. She put a little bed in there and the Bible tells there was a table and a candlestick and she set it all up for him all night so whenever he would come to town that um, you know he would have somewhere to stay and Elisha was really pleased with this and so he said would you like me 
to speak to the king on your behalf. Perhaps we can get your husband a promotion in the army. Maybe get him off the front lines. Maybe the king can relieve you of some of your taxes. And the lady said, it's okay. I don't need anything. I'm just happy serving the Lord. And I'm happy serving the man of God. Elisha realized that what she really wanted, though, was a son. Her and her husband had not had kids. And so Elijah said, Elisha said to her, around this time, you're going to have a son. And you know, she, she said, don't lie to me. Don't play with my emotions like that because this is something that I want. If this is God's word, it had better come true. Amen. But she had the child, the Bible tells us. As we pick up the story in verse 18, the Bible says that when the child was growing, 2 Kings chapter 4, that it fell on a day that he went out with his fathers to the reapers. So year after year, this child had been growing up, growing up, growing up. Maybe he was eight, nine years old. And he went out with his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to, the la- to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon. And then the Bible tells us that her promise from God died. She went up and laid him out on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. And it's interesting because you keep reading in verse 22 that she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray you, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And the husband said, Why are you going today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And her comment was, It shall be well. I want you to just stop and think for a moment. Do you really think in her soul she was not afraid? Do you really think in her soul that she wasn't discouraged? Do you really think that her heart was breaking? Yes, it was. Hallelujah. She had just lost her promise from God, her only child. But her comment was, it shall be Well, as she put that child onto Elisha's bed, her comment was, it shall be well. What she's saying, she's saying, no, I don't know the answer, but I know the one who gave me the promise. I don't understand why this is happening, but I know the one who can fix it. Hallelujah. Yes, my child is well, and I'm squared, and I'm confused, and he's dead, and I'm hurting, but it shall be well. Why? Because she had enough faith to go to the man of God, hallelujah, to get an answer for what she needed. She had just enough faith to chase down God for an answer. And just because my mind is full of doubt and full of fear and my heart is full of pain. And just because I'm stressed and I'm disquieted and I'm worried. She still knew that her God was still her God. And the king was still the king. And that God still had an answer for her and so she takes off towards the man of God says in verse 24 that she saddled the donkey and said to her servant drive and go forward slow down not your riding for me except I tell you and she went and came to the man of God in Mount Carmel and it came to pass that when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi his servant behold yonder is that Shumanite run now I pray you and meet her And say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And her answer is, it is well. 
Just stop and think about that for a second. Now, either this woman was lying because her son was dead, or it's a statement of great faith. What do you mean it's well? Your child has died. It's lying on the preacher's bed, but it is well. Her heart would have been torn into two, but it is well. No, I still don't have the answer. Yes, my child is still dead. But can I tell somebody today, you just need to have enough faith in the middle of your situation to say it is well. Hallelujah. All you need is enough faith to say despite how you feel that it is still well. Why? Because God is still on His throne and He is still the God of the disquieted. Hallelujah. You don't have to have all the answers to have some faith. You just need enough faith to run to Jesus this morning who is the answer for everything we could ever need. Hallelujah. And so she runs and she runs and she runs and Elisha sends his servant Gehazi because she falls at his feet and she says, my child is dead. And Elisha tells his servant, go. Go to her house. I want you to lay my staff on the face of the child. And so he runs and he does it. But it's interesting to notice that this Shumanite woman refused to leave Elisha. Verse 30, it says, And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. You see, there was no way that she was going to settle for just the staff of the man of God. She wanted the man of God himself to come. Brothers and sisters, we need to realize that the answer for our problem is God. He is the only one who can pull your pull you through your situation. Hallelujah. He is the only one who can make a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. Jesus is all that you need. Jesus is all that I need. When you need something from God, my brothers and sisters, do not accept any kind of substitute. The devil will try to crowd your life out with all sorts of distractions and trinkets. He will try to magnify problems in your mind. He will try and get you to be distracted. He will try and tell you that you're wasting your time. He is going to shortchange you and he is going to leave you empty. And we need to get something in our spirit that says I'm not going to leave until I get something from God. I'm not going to back down till I get my answer. I'm not going to relent. I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to turn around. I will not back down and I will not be quiet. I'm going to get my answer from God. Hallelujah. We need to get something into our spirit that says, I will not let my problems go until God gives me the answer that I need. Hallelujah. And of course, we know the end of the story. Elisha comes. The child is raised back to life. Yes, she had doubt in her mind, but she understood that everything was still well because doubt does not stop God from being God. Fear does not change who He is. And just because we are in distress does not mean that we cannot hope in Him. Do you believe that this morning? 
Amen. Let's have a look at another story in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7, read from verse 19. Say amen when you're there. Luke chapter 7, verse 19, And John called unto him two of his disciples and sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou who, should, who that should come? Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And when the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto you, saying, Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? I want to try and set the scene here for you. John is in prison. He's been locked up now for some time, maybe a few months, maybe a year. We don't really know. And some people say that John was asking Jesus for the sake of John's disciples. He was trying to say, hey, okay, guys, I'm in prison. I'm going to lose my life. I want you to go to Jesus. I want you to follow him. That's what some people say. Others think that John thought Jesus was going to establish an earthly kingdom. And, and John's question was, come on, Jesus, now's the time. If you want to overthrow Rome and set up your kingdom, now would be a great time to do it. I'm in prison, Jesus. I'm in distress, Jesus. My soul is disquieted, Jesus. But you know, I like the way you know, Matthew Henry in his commentary, he puts it like this. It is very probable that John now began through the length of his confinement to entertain doubts relative to the kingdom, which perplexed and harassed his mind. And he took the most reasonable way to get rid of them at once by applying to Christ. I don't know about you, but if I ever get locked up in prison for preaching this gospel, I want to be sure that I am about to give my life for the right cause. See, John was only human, and there is no doubt in my mind that he began to question and he began to doubt. Did I really do the right thing? What if Jesus was not really the Messiah? What if I got it wrong? And I can promise you in his head there was a little voice saying, Look at how you have wasted your life. All you did was talk about Jesus and now you're in prison. What a waste. What could you have done? But you know, I, I love the response that Jesus gives. It says, And in the very same hour, verse 21, almost as soon as those Disciples of John had stopped asking their question. In the very same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. And Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. Uh, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to the poor. The gospel is preached. You know? Jesus was not put off by John's request. I don't believe Jesus was angered by John's request. Not at all. 
When John asked, Jesus acted. Jesus healed every single person that he could possibly get his hands on to try and show to John that he was still in charge, that he was still the Messiah, even though John was locked up in prison, even though John was disquieted. What am I saying this morning? Just because your heart is disquieted, just because you're struggling, just because you can't see past tomorrow, does not mean that God will not answer you if you ask Jesus will act hallelujah you can bring your doubts you can bring your fears you can bring your worries you can bring your concerns and I promise you despite what you think Jesus is going to prove to you that he is still on the throne things might not look great right now but you need just enough faith to get yourself into the hands of Jesus you can be broken you can be strong you can be worried you can be worn out you can be exhausted but if you find yourself at the feet of Jesus you will have every answer you ever need you will have all the strength you could ever ask for you could have all the peace that your troubled heart needs because God is still the God of the disquieted hallelujah praise you Jesus why don't we all stand this morning I want to read one more story to you this story is probably my favorite story in all the Bible because I, I relate to it. I relate to this guy. Mark chapter 9. And the story here in Mark chapter 9, starting from verse 17, is the story of a father with a little boy. And this little boy is possessed by a devil. It says in verse 18 that wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spoke to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not and they brought him unto him verse 20 and when he saw him straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming just picture that scene for a moment the child that you love having that done to them just picture that scene in your mind and he asked the father jesus asked him how long is it ago since this came unto him and he said of a child his father and son had been struggling for years. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. Jesus said to him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And we know that. We know that all things are possible when we believe. We know that he has all power. We know that he can answer prayer in an instant. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. He's saying, God, I believe, but I'm just not quite there yet, Lord. This is such a big problem. God, we've been battling this for years. God, I believe, but Lord, there's still part of my heart that's struggling to wrap my faith around this problem. 
Can I tell someone today, God is never going to turn you away just because you have some doubt in your mind. God will never turn you away just because you struggle to see it happening. He's had this since he was a child. I have no doubt in my mind this father has taken this child to the temple. He's offered sacrifice. He's gone to see doctors. He's, he's done everything he knows to do to try and help his boy. And maybe after a sacrifice is a time of relief and then all of a sudden it happens again and he's distressed and he's wondering, God, why? Why is this happening to me? Brings it to Jesus. If you could do anything, that sounds about as faithless a statement as I've ever heard. Can you do anything, God? God, I've tried everything else. Can you do something? Just anything? Can you do anything? I don't know what the answer is, Jesus. I don't even know if I have enough faith to see the impossible done. I've tried so many things, Jesus. But Lord, deep in my heart, if there is just one little bit of faith left, God, can you just take that and do something to help me? Take it. It's all I've got. It's all I've got left, Jesus. But I believe you can do something with it. But help my unbelief. Oh, I love that man. Because he wasn't afraid to come to Jesus and acknowledge the truth that we often try to hide in our hearts. We like to think we've got everything figured out. We really do put up walls and facades and meanwhile we're hurting and we're broken and we're bruised and we're wounded and we need help and we've prayed before and we haven't got the answer like we thought and unbelief is creeping in i want to encourage you today you could reach out to god again and you can reach out again and you can bring all your doubts and all your fears and your disquieted heart and mind. You can bring your torment and you can lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, here's my mess. I don't know what you can do with this. I can't do anything with it. But Lord, help me believe just again. We've got to bring what faith we have to Jesus. Hallelujah. I mentioned it before, Ephesians chapter 6, the shield of faith. It says, above all in the ESV, it says, in all circumstances. Doesn't matter how bad things have been going in your life. Doesn't matter if you're feeling like you've lost every battle the enemy's faced you with. Pick up the shield again. Pick up the shield again. Hallelujah. You're feeling beaten down feeling downhearted and discouraged whether things are good, whether things are bad, we ought to pick up that shield of faith that we've allowed to drop down by our side from discouragement. Dust off the dirt. Repair those arm straps that have fallen loose. Clean off the blood stains from those times when you weren't quite quick enough to stop the enemy's jab from getting you. Because the battle's not over yet. And one day we will be victorious. There is no doubt. One day we will be triumphant because there is no battle that our God cannot win. Our job is to pick up that shield and say, God, help me hold this up again. Because I want to stand. I want to be victorious, Lord. Pick up that word that you've dropped. Pick up that sword of the Spirit that you've allowed to tumble to the ground. And say, okay, God, come on. We're going to get into this again. I've got a heart full of unbelief and doubt. And I can't see my way out of this, Lord. But I'm going to stand in your word. 
Your word says that the shield of faith can protect me. So I'm going to hold on to it, Lord, with everything that I've got. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. God is speaking to someone this morning. Someone is struggling with shame. Someone's struggling with fear. Others are struggling with doubt. right now in God's house. Come on, church. Come on. Let's close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We don't need to be looking at what's going on around us. We don't need to be worried about who's next to us. That's it. Let's just let his spirit of prayer begin to descend over this place right now. God is moving in a slightly different way. Come on, let's respond right now. Hallelujah. He's the God of the disquieted. Your heart is not too far gone that God can't reach it. Oh, Jesus, that's it. Come on, church, come on. Some of you leaders who know how to pray, you need to start praying right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.